Hello friend, hope you're well. It's a super busy time for Team Petrusive. Let me tell you, we've got the iOS and Android app almost ready. So it's like so, so, so tantalizingly close. We're super, super excited to launch it. It's gonna complement the web app on Petrusive.app really well. Uh, and if you are Petrusive through and through, you will love the additional content on there. So keep a close eye out in the next couple of weeks for the massive launch of the Petrusive app on iOS and Android. Uh, the other big news I wanna share with you before we join the main episode today is that Mahmoud Ibrahim and I are launching an occlusion course called OBAB. Now, OBAB stands for Occlusion Basics and Beyond. Mahmoud once joked with me, they come for the OBAB, stay for the kebab. So we don't know which direction it's gonna go in terms of food in the future, but uh, this is predominantly gonna be an online course actually. So it's called Occlusion Basics and Beyond, uh, and we think we'll be ready in a few months. Now we're really trying super hard, but in our busy lives, it is a tough thing to do to actually uh, plan and create the content, record it, get it edited. Uh, we've got beta testers lined up already. Uh, so we're really excited to get out to them to, to make sure that we get the correct feedback to enhance it as much as we can because ultimately our goal is to help you design and execute restorations from single tooth to anterior aesthetic cases and, and later actually in module 5 we also cover full mouth concepts that will help you feel confident to deliver all this type of dentistry to your patients and not worrying that things will break or chip because we will teach you to apply keyword apply in capital letters because the principles we're going to show you in the videos and cases if you can apply them in practice that's when you're going to get success so if you sign up to our monthly occlusion tip, you can get flavor of the kind of content we have planned and we're putting together to make it extremely tangible. So head on over to occlusion.wtf. So www.occlusion.wtf. Sign up if you haven't already. And if you're a newcomer to this, if you sign up today, for example, if you haven't signed up already, then what I'll do is that when I send an email, I'll make sure the previous videos I've sent will also be sent to you. So for example, the first one was how to adjust the occlusion on a resume bridge. And the second one coming in a few days is how to make a canine riser direct freehand. So a full video uh, and commentary of how to do that. This main episode today actually is one where I appeared on the Soft Bites uh, podcast from Manuela and uh, Andre. Uh, both have been guests on my podcast in, in the past. And essentially, it's my story of coming to the UK when I was six years old from Afghanistan as a refugee. Uh, the themes we cover are overcoming adversity, why dentistry is no longer a nine to five job, in my opinion, uh, and how you can make your children resilient. So we kind of discuss these uh, philosophical things, but also uh, key influences and books that changed my perspective and life. Plenty of references back to clinical dentistry and the busy lives we lead. So I'm hoping it's going to be uh, something a little bit different for you guys. And I hope that you find some inspiration from this, even if it gets you to pick up a, a new perspective or a new book that you hadn't heard of or read before. So hope you enjoy Manuela and Andre's podcast. And uh, I hope to catch you in the next one very soon. Welcome to Soft Bites Podcast. Your life, your dentistry. We talk about ways to have more fun and meaning in one of the coolest and most rewarding professions in medicine. Conversations on how to bring awareness, create a healthy workplace, and provide emotional insights to make dentistry a fulfilling activity while making space for one's wonder, creativity, and freedom. Here are your hosts, Manuela and George Andre. Hello, guys. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Soft Bites podcast. Today, we have a very, very special guest, me and Andre. We are very excited about this one. And uh, yeah, welcome, Jess. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on Soft Bites. It's a real pleasure to be, I, I would say, my two favorite Portuguese people in the whole wide world, but I will <laughs> upset hundreds of Portuguese yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, friends that I've made over the years, a lot of them dentists. So I will say, you guys just, uh, I, I've yet to meet a, a, a Portuguese person that I just didn't gel so well with. You guys are amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jess. I was, I, I was, uh, Talking to Manuel, uh, how excited we are to have you here. I, I think you are, um, and I, I've dealt with many dentists uh, and guys uh, connected to education. I had to say you are one of the most authentic persons uh, in the field. So I'm really excited to have you here and have a, to have this chat with you. So thank you so much for for spending this time with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll start. Um, we want to know a little bit more about, about you, Jazz, about your story. So uh, I don't tell us about if you are feel, feel comfortable to, to, to share um, your story on being a, a, a refugee that I don't think most people know, know about that. Correct, they don't. And I, I 
kind of kept it like a little bit of a secret on my podcast. And I, ne- I never shared it because I, I didn't feel like, you know, I didn't want to distract from the, you know, talking about subgenital dentistry, retraction cords, crown preps, and then suddenly you talk about this. So I guess thank you for providing a platform for this. You know, you guys are, are mixing the dental and the human together, which is a beautiful thing. And so let, let's talk about that, right? So uh, I came to the UK in 1996 as a refugee. Uh, I was born in Afghanistan in a place called Jalalabad. Uh, and from speaking to my parents and my grandparents, everyone, Sikhs, which is what the religion I am, uh, live and, and Hindus lived very peacefully in a uh, predominantly Islamic uh, nation, um, uh, Afghanistan. And for since, you know, over 100 years, uh, Sikhs and Hindus have lived there uh, and uh, in peacefully with the, the locals in Af- Af- Afghanistan. Unfortunately, when the, the Taliban troubles uh, uprose, it caused a lot of issues. Lots of Sikhs fled for the safety of their lives. Lots of Hindus fled. And over the last few years, there's been lots of um, violence and war and uh, the Sikh temples being destroyed and all that kind of stuff. So even now, unfortunately, the amount of Sikh people now living in Afghanistan is probably less than 100 now, which is a shame because we thousands. So that community has now gone to Manuela in Belgium. It's gone to Germany. It's come to the UK. It's gone to India. It's gone east that way. Uh, so it's, it's, it's gone all over the world. So it's like a Afghani Sikh diaspora, very well connected, very close-knit community uh, all over the world. Uh, and in West London, where I grew up, huge community of Afghani Sikhs. Uh, and I'm just, and every day I pinch myself. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that I managed to somehow escape all those monstrosities and receive a British education. And it's just down to luck. It's just purely down to luck. And when I see all these refugees now and what happened in Syria some time ago, and then the new Afghani refugees coming, you know, everything comes in circles, you know, and the Taliban again. And then recently in Reading, where I I live now, these Afghani refugees coming, I'm like, wow, man, like all they just need is an opportunity and an education. Yes, thank thank you so much for for um, allowing yourself to share this, uh, this story with us. I remember that I, I talked to you when, we, when you were in Portugal and you, and you just said that to me. I, I was really surprised. I had no idea, which, which made you, for me, um, to respect you even more, and, and, and not only about the work that you do, but especially all this positive character, character that, that, that you have. And uh, when you were talking, I was just um, thinking about, well, you say that you were lucky, right? Um, but do you think that this positive personality that you have and this, uh, that you, you, you look like a guy that constantly looks to the bright side of life, right? You are not, you're not that much focusing on adversity. You are, you are always looking for solutions. At least, at least that's the, that's the feeling that I have. Uh, do you think I'm just going to leave, go a little bit off the, of the, the, the script that we have here? Do you think, uh, this is something that you have developed intentionally, or do you think this is something that was born with you? I mean, do you have to work towards that? I mean, did the adversity made this way, or do you think that someone that is genetics or that's something that was already inside you? How do you think about that? How do you, how do you see that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um... The answer is I don't really know, but I can guess. I can guess as to how it, how it is. And you know, Steve Jobs famously said that you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. And I'm a huge fan of that. And so when I look at my, my background and the biggest fortunate, I mean, my, my parents, you know, they took a huge risk to, to do what they did. Uh, my mom was pregnant when we came to the UK and stuff. So thanks to my parents for, for making it to the UK and uh, making it live and all that kind of stuff and, and the community and stuff. So, you know, I, I think, wow, luck was a huge part in, in, in that. And then what really changed me and my, my path was the education. I'll mention again, the education I received just when I was six years old and being able to learn English. And I took a liking. It was the only thing that I, I, I was good at for the first time in my life, the only thing I can actually do. So I just went and went and so I poured myself into to learning and education. Uh, and I gained a lot of self-confidence from, yeah. from being at the top of my class from a very young age, because that was the only thing that I could, I could call my own. It was like this, this, you know, I didn't really have much growing up, but to have uh, this, the, the, these uh, sort of getting a good mark on my homework for me was yes. like the highest praise at the time. So I guess when I look back, that was good. And then going forward, when I, think about the books that I've read. There's a book called Quiet. And it looks at the brains of, of introverts. And when you cut the brains of an introvert, they have a huge uh, amygdala. Um, you're smiling, Manuela. Maybe you've read this book? I haven't. 
You haven't. No, no, no. No, no. I'm I'm smiling because I'm writing it down because I think it's important. I would like to read it. And because you were talking about the 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 amigo. Go on, go on. Yeah, well, I, mean, I know you're very much into this field, and so when you when you when you uh, dissect an, an introvert, you will find a large amygdala compared to someone else. So, um, what the what that book taught me was that we all, in our development from a, from a young age, yes, there's a huge genetic component. Like I look at my son's personality uh, at age three now, and they say that your personality at age three will closely mirror your personality at age 18, and it's because you have all these channels and pathways. But if you exercise certain channels and certain pathways, they become stronger and stronger. So I don't know where it was in my time. I was, I was introverted in the, in, in the past. I was quiet. I was, uh, you know, I had bullying, I had adversities in my, in my past. I was the only uh, brown person, the only guy with a turban and stuff, you know, growing up in, in this huge school of mostly Caucasian children. So I went through uh, all that. So when I look back, it's like, okay, what, what was it that made me so positively focused. I think it's just the books that I read into the 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 the, the slowly being exposed to these kind of schools of thoughts and whatnot, and it, it kind of just happened, I guess. But I, I do believe that when it comes to nature versus nurture, I think nature plays a huge role, and then what you feed it, how you nourish it with the nature, and it just fell into place. Uh, and, I, and I do want to say that. When I had braces, and it sounds really, I mean, we're on a dental podcast and it sounds really cheesy, but the, if you asked me why I became a dentist, I would have said the same thing. I had braces and it completely changed me as a person. And I think that was a huge part in my journey. I used to be really embarrassed of my teeth and whatnot. And I really can pinpoint age 13, 14, when I really started to smile more and become more confident. And I think that for me, part of my journey, it was huge. Uh, uh, Jazz, um, so so I, I guess you would say just before before um, before the next question, I think that there's a big part of intentionally changing yourself because I, I, I and I think this is really important for people listening to to us because I I am 44 and and in in Portugal when I was like in my teens there was not this culture of something very simple as uh, you are able to change yourself this notion that you are able to change yourself. And I had to discover that, 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 that I, I had to say that I had discovered that very late. So, so I think that you, um, and this is a question for you, don't you think that in, in, in traditional education, they are lacking this part in terms of the, of the curriculums? Because you said you, that you read the books, right? So, so on your own, you read some books or that's what emotional development or personal development. But, but I would sum it down to this. The notion that you can change yourself not only your body, but also your emotions and your personality for to achieve whatever you think is, is your goal in life. So I think that this notion that, that I don't know that everybody has that in, in, in their teens, which is you are able to do some positive changes yourself. And don't, don't you think this, this lacks in the traditional curriculum? I don't know how it is in, in the UK now, but at least in Portugal, this is lacking. I, I, I agree. I think we welcome this change and how you're able to change your your the thinking and your mindset, and we are amenable to that, and we can change the way we think, and that manifests in, in, a, in a physical change, emotional change, and that, that they're all connected. But I was saying to, to Manuela that I, for some reason, I must have read something. I started to seek these scenarios, these positions where I would be uncomfortable. I would purposely seek these out where it would make me feel really, really sick to the core that, okay, I'm going to be, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to stand up in front of 30 people and say this. I don't want to put myself out there. And I would seek those opportunities out. It was like a maniac. And I think that really fast-tracked my growth in, uh, in terms of my emotional intelligence because I was able to, to, to flourish in these very uncomfortable scenarios. That's that's so interesting. Let me just say something because I, I completely identified with what you were saying because in the in the I remember being in my more than twenty years ago in the in the university and feeling uh, that nauseous and and uh, completely out of my comfort zone on when I had uh, um, exams and things like that and my at the time because I didn't know how to deal with it at the time I I I I, I I shut myself down. You know, it was very difficult. It was very difficult uh, uh, for me. And um, fast forward <laughs> 20 years after, uh, I realized that those was the those are the situations that make me grow. And I could not 
see that at that at that time i was not ready no one told me um i remember going into the to the to the toilet you know calling my my, my mother and crying and say i cannot do this and i cannot do this and my mother okay 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 but she also didn't know how to to help me. That's not the way that we uh, grew up. That's not the way that we, we were educated. No one uh, uh, told us about this these things. And um, and nowadays, I it's, it's just like you said. I put myself out there. I see uh, when I have a situation. I say, okay, I'm going to write this email. I'm going to do this proposition. I'm going, and then I have this. Oh my god! But I'm not going to be able to to do this or to talk. And I say, yes, yes, you are. You just you will learn it. Second time, it will be easier. So it, it's uh, f for me. It was something that it needed learning. <laughs> but mm -hmm. nowadays, mm -hmm. uh, it's also uh, like that. And also, what Andre uh, said, I think that. In our generation, it was more about self-control. So it's we had this notion that we could not change ourselves, but we were able somehow to control certain parts of ourselves. Nowadays, it's we with all these notions of emotional intelligence, just like you said, Jess. We learned that it's all about self-management. We can manage mm -hmm. ourselves. We can learn. We can grow, and even the our uh, neural con connections through neuroplasticity. Everything changes. Everything changes. But that's we the key have word do... right there. Neuroplasticity. Yeah, that's that's going to be the so... word of the century. Yeah. So, but we have to do the work. It's it's, and I think this is in, in the dentistry is very important uh, because sometimes dentists com dentists complain about <laughs> about their everyday dentistry life, but they have to realize that. To realize that they have to be able to do the work in in order to bring some change into their into their days, so that's that's really that's really that's really important. They, they need to sweat. Everyone needs to sweat, whether it's emotionally or physically. That sweat yeah. needs to happen. And yeah. I saw this amazing photo, quote the other day, uh, guys, uh, Andre Manuel. I saw this amazing quote. It said, "Don't be afraid to suck at something new." Yeah. And I, and I, and I put a, a caption. Mm -hmm. I shared my Instagram. I put a caption. that says, "This is how I feel every time I learn a new technique on a course." Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, sorry to interrupt, Andre. Continue. So, Jazz, um, looking back at, at what we were talking about and uh, the importance of um, of going through difficult moments, um, can you, can you tell us about uh, some of those moments in your life and and how was that um, helpful in any way? I'm going to share. I'm going to share something with you guys that I've never shared publicly before. Uh, and you know what? Let's do it. Fine. So, so you guys are getting the, uh, a lot of different stories here. Um, I've kept this one secret, but no longer. Growing up, uh, didn't have much money, uh, and around about age fourteen, you know, teen teenage years, all your friends got nice things, and uh, I, I couldn't afford it at the time. And my, you know, my parents, bless them. I, I didn't feel like I could ask them for, for money and stuff. So I felt like I need to take matters into my own hands. So, um, what I, I, I just don't know. I found this dude online who was like, he's from China, he's from Hong Kong or China. I forgot where, where he was from. Uh, and then he was like, and I was on eBay and stuff. And like, there was this like idea to, to do kind of like drop shipping. So basically, um, yeah. I fulfill an order and someone else will post it. So uh, as a 14-year-old, I was using my mum's. I made my mum an eBay account. I had registered her credit card, uh, but I was doing everything, right? So uh, I thought, okay, let, let's start some sort of a business. And so but what it was, was that I, um, I was advertising and selling uh, Tiffany & Co. jewelry. Okay. Uh, I hope I don't get, uh, if, if anyone from Tiffany is listening, I had no idea that it was counterfeit at the time. So I'm, I'm going to come to that in a moment. Okay. So I was selling this uh, Tiffany & Co. jewelry online and I was like learning about copy and marketing, which I guess, you know, fast forward, to, you know, 15, 20 years, it now it's, it's coming handy with the, the courses and education <laughs> stuff. So, you know, you look back and you think, exactly, it, it, it came in handy back then. But I was learning about, okay, how can I present this product and stuff? So then people on, on in the UK would buy this uh, Tiffany jewelry. And I didn't know what Tiffany was. I don't know what Tiffany was. I don't know how much Tiffany was. Uh, the guy just said recommended retail, like $60 or whatever. And I was I was selling it. Obviously, Tiffany costs a lot more than that. I didn't know it was fake, right? So um, I, I was fulfilling this order. This dude from China was we're shipping it and I would uh, keep like 20%. So for me at the time, making 10 or 15 pounds a day, I thought I was like, wow, I, I was it at, at, that, at that age and it was going really well and I was enjoying it. And then suddenly all these orders were being fulfilled, but the shipping wasn't happening. 
So I was liable, <laughs> or my mom was liable, technically, legally, to 100%. And the, the, we, we had some people complain that it was fake. I was like, what? That, that, this, this thing, as, as fake jewelry exists? So as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old at a time, suddenly, the, the guy who, who you'd liaise with every day over MSN, you remember MSN? I was liaising on, yes. uh, on MSN every day, and he wasn't responding anymore. And suddenly I had like um, 800 pounds worth of uh, orders that weren't fulfilled. And it was all on me as a, as a 15 year old. And my parents had no idea I was doing this for like last two months. And so this was crippling. Like I laugh about it now, but at the time I was like, I was feeling, I was sick. I was stressed. Uh, I'd broken my leg playing football as well. It was a sad time. So I was there on my crutches uh, and emotionally, mentally, all I could think was like, oh my God, how am I going to find 800 pounds to pay these people? Because, uh, you know, technically what I'm doing is wrong here. And I, I at the time, I almost, almost spoke up to my parents. Like every day I was waiting on MSN, waiting, when's this guy going to come online? When's this guy going to come online? Anyway, long story short, he came online. Turns out he was hospitalized and whatnot. He sorted it out. But it was the most difficult 50 days of my life. Daily email exchanges with these unhappy customers saying, look, I'm really sorry. I'm going to figure out what happened, whatever, whatever. Real stress. That was extremely stressful time. And of course, exams, GCSEs, everything. That was all happening. It all got resolved, and I promise I never wanted to touch this kind of stuff again. Never wanted to do business with someone I didn't look in the eyes and I didn't know. So uh, that was my uh, a very dark but moment you, in my life. But yeah, it, but it you, me a lot. so so you, you you have spent the money that you have won. Couldn't oh, you get course. it back? I, yeah, I like that you won because it was like gambling in a way. Yeah, of course, man. I bought like a, a guitar for 40 pounds. I was buying clothes. I could finally afford, afford like nice clothes. Like uh, I was going out. I was going to the movies, which I couldn't do as much for. So yeah, I was really enjoying teenage my teenage life. life. Finally had money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was a really stress. But I look back and like, wow, I learned so much. Like it was, I never wished that upon any teenager, especially if someone who's like, you know, looking for money at the time. But yeah, it was, it was an interesting period of my life. Nice. And, and, and you learned a lot. <laughs> I learned how to um, manage um, mm -hmm, upset mm -hmm. customers. Uh, I learned uh, about the importance of uh, who you do business with and what kind of businesses are, are, are high uh -huh. risk and low risk and that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, it taught me a lot, man. Uh, Jess, let's let's talk about your podcast because I think it's the it's the podcast of of dentistry. It's the <laughs> it's the reference <laughs> for for yeah. It, oh wow! It, it is. Mean, it is. Um, it really, it really. I don't know if it is, but you know it, that's very, very sweet really, coming from you really both. Thank is. you, thank you so much. You both been great uh, guests uh, on the show. And um, I, I want to know how did your podcast uh, started? How did you come up with the idea? Um, I, I, I personally uh, feel and, and because I already uh, read uh, your uh, motivations, and I think they are very uh, noble because you you have this this mindset this mindset of wanting to help and wanting to share knowledge and i but i want i want to hear it from you how did you come up with the idea of the protrusive uh, podcast and how did you uh, felt that that could be useful to to dentistry uh, the the idea was really random actually and uh it, it, I didn't envisage to become what, what it become today in terms of, uh, you know, I get so many nice comments, people, uh, a nice community that we've built now. And I'm so glad that you two are part of it and been previous guests and whatnot. And just making knowledge accessible. These questions, these little niggly questions that we're always, uh, you know, usually you get that information at the bar at 2 a.m. and you ask a, a prosthodontist some question and they give it, you give you the answer direct and obey the podcast so that, you know, you can get that anywhere around the world. But the way it started was, um, you, you may or may not know, I was in Singapore for 18 months. I was working in dentistry in Singapore. I was a dentist there. Me and my wife were there. We were enjoying it. We were traveling. We were working. Then my wife got homesick and then I came back. And then amongst the UK dentists, this word started to spread. Hey, there's a dentist. He went to Singapore. He lived a good life. He came back and now he can teach you how to move to Singapore uh, and pay little tax and uh, enjoy the sunshine, go on holidays and that kind of stuff. So my phone number started circulating. So as I was driving from London to Oxford, like a, an hour, an hour back, I was speaking to a different dentist every day on the phone answering the same damn questions. How much do you earn? Is there a language barrier? How do I get my license? What's the indemnity like? Et cetera, et cetera. The same things. And after about the eighth person, I was like, okay, well, I, I want to listen to my audio books again. I want to speak to someone new and answer the same things again. How can I get my message? How can I hit record on a WhatsApp message or mm -hmm. something and deliver it to the world? 
And so the first episode was expat dentists in Singapore. Uh, and, and, and so that was the reason. It was, it was actually selfish. I, I, didn't want, I wanted to not have to do one-on-one -on -one phone calls anymore. I wanted to give one to many by putting this message out. And then the second episode was, oh, that was fun. How about we, we, we speak to my colleague who went to America recently? What's it like to move to America as a UK graduate? Then episode four was like Australia. And then, you know how you mentioned, Manuela, about you know, sharing knowledge and that kind of stuff? I'm a lifelong learner. So I want to ask the questions that I want to know about. And at the same time, so it was selfish. I was learning, but at the same time, you know, people are there like a fly on the wall learning as well. And that's the, the origin of it. And now what it's become now is, uh, is a lot more. We're going to come out with CPD and stuff because the demand is there. People listen. They spend hours listen, and they want to be able to click on and get a CPD certificate. Uh, I get all sorts of uh, weird, wonderful requests for speaking and stuff, which is, which is amazing. I, I, again, I pinch myself like, whoa, how has this happened? It helped me to like push, it helped me to, I, I, I was able to, to, to tear a hole in the world. Like, you know what? I'm here and, I, and, and I'm here to share and I'm here to, to have fun uh, and, 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 and let's do this. So yeah, it was a nice little uh, uh, position mm -hmm. that I made. I think I just... And Manuela, she was talking... Sorry, sorry, Manuela. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I'm just going to say this because I think one of the reasons of your success is that you, at least I feel that you are having fun. You can see that you are having fun. Mm. You are authentic. You you really enjoy what you are doing. You really feel that what you are doing makes a difference and it brings content, useful content, and you really enjoy yourself. So th I just wanted to mention this. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you, you mentioned that, and um, that we were talking before we hit record button about some some struggles and imposter syndrome and thinking, ah, oh, is it worth what I'm doing and stuff? And a few times in my, in my podcasting journey so far, last three years, I've been like, you know, we, we spent, I've got a team now. I've got a team. We spent hours producing each episode now. We, now we've moved to a situation we're going to have the notes mm -hmm. on the left-hand side, mm -hmm. over the video on the right. So it's becoming mm -hmm. a real big operation. It used to take five hours to make an episode. Now it takes upwards of 20 man hours mm -hmm. to produce an episode. So it, 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 it's getting there. And sometimes, is it worth it and stuff? But sometimes when I get an email saying that, you know what, I was in a dark place in dentistry uh, and I just feel as though I needed you in my morning drives to get me through the day. And now I, I believe it or not, I actually enjoy it. And now I booked onto mm -hmm. this course that mm -hmm. you recommended and I'm really enjoying it. And yeah. I did my first crown prep. I did my first on day. And uh, if it wasn't for episode 59, mm -hmm. I wasn't able to do it. And oh, on YouTube, someone, oh my God. So this dentist, one year out of dental school on her last day at her sort of um, foundation training position, she was able to section elevate uh, uh, from a molar to remove it. And she commented on the YouTube saying, on my last day, I managed to do this because of this episode. I didn't learn this from dental school. <laughs> I learned it from episode 88 or whatever it was. So it's feedback like that, mm -hmm. that things, wow, wow, this is, this is, this is working. People mm -hmm. are learning, people are sharing. Uh, and so that's mm -hmm. what keeps mm -hmm. you going. Yeah. That is, that is so cool. And, and I, Manuel, I don't know if you, if you met Jazz yeah. in person, Rich. but, but he really is this character that he, he really, he really wants. And, and I think this is something that is very rare that he really wants you to be good around him. You know, there are some people that, that it's, it's just like, they just want to feel the, just want to keep the energy from themselves. And, and Jazz is one of those guys that really wants you to make, make you feel good around him. And that's something that is really rare and especially in dentistry. So regarding that, I, I haven't read the, um, the, the values and, and, and the goals of the, maybe you have it written down somewhere on, on the podcast, but we know that we, you have this sharing and this abundance mindset. I mean, so your success is not at all. It, it means that someone else is losing. Can you tell us about that? And, and, and was it something that was, did it grow with you? Or it's, is it something that you transformed yourself into because you realized that that was the way to be? I think when I look back at the different books I read, self-development, I'm a huge fan of self-development. It must have been The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which yeah. is like when you Google self-development books, that's like the number one recommended one. So it must have been like you know, in my teenage years when I read that. And then it talked about the scarcity mindset and the abundance mindset. Now, I hope I'm not confusing books, but I'm pretty sure that's one of the, 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 the parts of it. Uh, and, and, and so having that and learning, okay, what is scarcity mindset? And, and do I identify with that? Are there any things that in my life that I look at and I've adopted 
the scarcity mindset and being open to change and changing the way that you uh, move your perspective and to have the abundance mindset. So yes, scarcity mindset, when you think that if you, if I, you know, if my podcast is doing well, other podcasts are not doing well, or if, if, if this dentist yeah. is doing well, that means that this other dentist is, is not doing well. That's absolute BS. We know that there is a place yes. for all of us to grow and learn and share. And it's amazing. It's not like a, it's not a net zero game. Everyone has a, a benefit to be gained and we can all win in this. And I think once you adopt that, the positivity just enthuses. You're more open to collaborations. Yes. You're more open to, to share. And good things happen when you share. Yeah. But I think, I think it really is important that in dentistry because uh, I don't know why, but, but dentistry is a very unique, uh, unique profession, probably because of the excess of dentistry almost all over the world now. I don't think that kind of mindset is something that is really present. So, so, so thank you for that, for, for trying to, 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 to share that kind of vision, because I, I think that we all, not only a few, I think that we all need to understand that. We, we all need to understand that dentistry is ultimately about helping people. And the, the closer and the, 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 the less competitive that we are in ourselves and the more that we want to help ourselves, ultimately, we'll help more people. And uh, so, so thank you so much for that. No, thank you, Andre. And I think I just want to add that, you know, in practice and making bringing it back to the real world of practice, you know, let's say you work in a, a local neighborhood and then there's a competitor dentist down the road. And I think we see this too many times where, you know, you, you worry that if, you're, if your patient need, loses a crown, yeah. they go to the dentist and the other dentist goes, ah, yeah, this is very good. And, and, you know, why do we have this fear? Because, you know, it's unfortunate. We hear these stories and whatnot, right? And it, and it, yeah. it worries you. So I think if the sooner we dentists look after each other, learn not to throw each other under the bus because, you know, I've done it before where, and I'm sure, Andre, you've done this uh, as well, where uh, I, I see a patient, this is my first year at dental school, see a patient, large um, amalgam on the distal of a second molar, which had an overhang. I was like, look, you know, this got an overhang. It's not very good. It's sealed, but, you know, let's, let's improve it. And then you struggle so much doing it. You think, oh, my yeah. God, no wonder this uh, amalgam had an yes. overhang. It's probably better than what I could do. So we never know the struggle yeah. that the dentist had doing yes. it. And I think we need to remember that yeah. and always be present with that. You know, we need to promote each other. We need to make sure that we don't throw each other under the bus. And that pretty much embodies exactly that abundance mm -hmm. mentality. Uh, and, and have this respect for this, for this wonderful mm -hmm. profession, isn't it? And, and having this, this respect for something that, uh, that can really have a, such an impact on, on, on the patient's mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. um, uh, just, to, just to close this, this, um, this segment, um, I would like to, to you to, and we already talked about that, but for you to talk a little bit about the, the, the importance of, um, of access to, to education, because I think that you, like, just like you said, uh, and you, you, you gave that uh, wonderful example of someone that, uh, that, uh, uh has done a, a clinical procedure, uh, um, based on one of your episodes. And I think that's a, a, a beautiful thing. Um, but I know that this is very important uh, to you, to you to, to share uh, education. And, and you also mentioned that uh, while growing up, uh, education and, and it was something that uh, um, you had to, to also feel um, confident, that you use as a as, uh, confidence uh, uh, mm -hmm. factor. Do you also think that's why? Because now that's the reason why nowadays you... Uh, you feel like that you are this vehicle to 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 uh, share uh, education and to share information with others, because uh, I mean education and information is is power. Yes, yes, and knowledge, power, and implementation more and more. I'm realizing, and I'm, uh, that's why I'm sharing with everyone that you know, yeah, knowledge is great, but implementation is where it's really at. Uh, and I, I guess if I, if I go back really in time and to link it back to the very first thing of the podcast about my journey, when I was six years old, uh, so maybe seven, and it was one year in the country and I was just learning English. Uh, and then we had this um, big leaderboard at the front of um, my primary school. So it's like, you know, grade three or something, right? Big leaderboard everyone's name on it. And every time you manage to get all the spellings correct, there's like six or seven words you have to write. Every time you get the, the spelling correct, all of them, you get a star next to the name. Okay. So everyone had all these stars. I didn't have a single star. And that first day, age seven, I got my first star. And I remember at home being, you know, practicing, writing the word home, H-O-M-E, D-O-G, D-O-G, practicing, practicing, practicing. 
And I got my first star. I will never forget that as the moment of my life that changed my entire trajectory because it taught me a very valuable lesson that hard work always pays off. That was when I learned that, age seven. And then I always think back to that moment when I'm in, in, in struggle that, you know, that if I didn't do my practicing at home uh, and, and my mom really watching and she was like, you know, didn't know how to help me, my homework, whatever, but I, I did it myself. Uh, and, and so that was a really, really important part. So in terms of now sharing and, and, and getting everyone involved, it's, it's, it's only natural that I, I got into this space in terms of promoting that. And there was this book, I know I talk about lots of books and stuff, but it's so important to read. Of there course. Was a book that was recommended to me. And it was called uh, Strengths, Strengths Finder 2.0. Strengths Finder. And I encourage everyone to do this. So you do this, it's like a, it's a book that you buy, and then it's like an online quiz that you do. And then by doing this qu quiz, takes like 15, 20 minutes, it tells you, evidence-based something, your five top mm. strengths. And the book argues that we should focus on oh, our cool. strengths. Not on our weakness. We focus on our strengths. And my number one strength was competitive, <laughs> very competitive and in sports and everything like that. Uh, and so maybe it's because I was competitive that that star that I got when I was seven that really fueled me is like, wow, I'm making, I got my first star. How do I get all the other stars so I can, I can race to the top and everything like that. So um, when, it, when it comes to that, you know, you have to look at your strengths. And, and now I'm playing to my strengths. I'm trying to level up myself and learn. But in that journey, I'm sharing to level everyone up, but just level everyone else up as well. Uh, and there's so much beauty in that. Can I, I, can I just? Uh, yeah. And sorry, sorry. Of I course, just wanted yeah. to, sorry. if it's out, out of the alignment, can I ask you, Jazz, where and what about your communication skills? Where does that come from? Because you are very outspoken. That's in in a very authentic way, yeah. and you are always smiling. Is that that one runs in your family, or you have also to to put yourself out there? Or is that a natural thing? Because you have very good communication skills. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I never saw myself uh, as that, but more and more from, from feedback. And so people say that you present yourself well. Uh, I don't know how that stems from. Uh, I, I, I do have this one theory is that at, uh, not at, school, at school, I did enjoy drama. I enjoyed acting, role playing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that helped me to become more confident as well. And so I, I believe that when we're in practice, when we're working, it's show business. I believe that we have to put on a show and even if you yeah. have a bad day, you have to, right? You yes. just have to. So once you start to internalize that and want to do things like power posing, mm -hmm. uprighting your, your body yes. posture, yeah. and that changes your internal uh, sort of uh, mm -hmm. um, physiology mm -hmm. and emotions and uh, they all run together. So your body yeah. represents mm -hmm. your mind and there's a huge connection. So those things I think I've absorbed, absorbed and yeah. I've adopted over the years. And now that's how I, I like to live because even if I've had a bad day, like, you know, when it's a very British thing to do when you walk and, and it's like, you're right. And everyone says, you're right. Right. No one ever <laughs> says, actually, no, I'm not okay. Now I'm not saying that it's, it, it's, it's firstly, it's okay to be not okay. It's firstly, I want to say that. Of firstly. course. Yeah. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, you shouldn't be dwelling and focusing on the negativity when yeah. you could be trying to change your physiology to yeah. change your reality. Yes. Uh, and I think maybe, maybe that's how I, uh, I've, I've come to be this smiley, positive person, because I truly believe that if I project that to the universe, mm -hmm. that will get reflected back at me. Yeah. And that's, that's very interesting what you're saying, because uh, uh, both me and Manuel, we are, we are firm believers of that. And I'm just reminding of a book that I read from a Portuguese guy that's working in the States, Antonio Damasio. He, the, the most important book that he wrote was Descartes' Error. And basically, he talks about uh, neurology and neurophysiology. And one of the last books, he was, he was very clear about one thing, is that we usually believe that you need to have good internal mindset conditions so that you can improve your external world. But now we know it's actually the opposite. You have to change your external world, inclusively your body. Like you were saying, you have to change your physiology in order to feel good. So, for example, if you feel like, Oh, I'm just going to work out. I'm just going to do this when I feel good. No, you have to start doing this so that you that, that then you start to feel good. So you have to, there's something that you need to intentionally change on your external world, which might be your own body, so that you can start to feel okay. So that's that's very, very interesting. So you get, And Andre, body language is I mean, just yes, saying the same thing, right? Yes, all, and exactly. I must have read something when I was 17 yes. about the power of body language. And that's always imprinted in my mind. Yeah. I, I always think, even like facial expressions when you're speaking to your patients and yeah. the tone of voice. It's a bit like saying to a patient, well, we can do some crown lengthening or we can do some crown lengthening. Do you see, I obviously wouldn't use that term, but it's a huge difference of in how you project yourself to the universe. Of, of course. Mm -hmm.
Of course, of course. But it's 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 really this this notion that you really have to work. You have to be intentionally on how you want to feel. It's not you. You just you, you cannot wait to feel good to do something. You have to do something to feel good. Even the, the smile. If you smile, you'll feel better, right? It's just it's just it's, it's just not only from mind to the body. It's just mainly and especially from the the body, the outside world to the. To, to the mind. And, and um, I also think what we're worrying and, and ha well, happiness is a choice. I, I do, th I do believe that. Uh, yes. And I do believe that. Yeah. Um, and, and I know there's lots of dark things that like if you're, if you're actually clinically depressed, that's of a course. serious thing. Okay. Of First course. To, yeah. uh, that's important to that say. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And it's important to seek help for, for that. But when you, yeah. you know, in, in less serious things, you know, w when my wife tells me she is stressed, I, I correct it. I say, no, I say at this moment in time, you are choosing yes. to be stressed at this moment in time. You're choosing to feel stress. Uh, and I, I live by that mentality. And yes, I get stressed. And I, and I sometimes I choose to feel stressed. And I choose, and I know that, okay, you know what? For the next 20 minutes, I'm going to be miserable. And I choose to be miserable. And I'm going to do it in the corner alone. And I want to get out of my system. And I do that. But I'm very much mindful about how I project myself to the universe. Yeah, you, you, we all want sometimes to feel miserable for a few moments because it just, you want to yes. spoil yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> No, but but I think it's really important that that and for me this is something really personal because I I think that I found this really late. I mean, we Portuguese we have this. I don't know if you know we have fado. Fado is the kind of Portuguese it's, music yeah, which is very sad, on the, which is basically dwelling on the on the negativity. Yeah, on the, and it's like you are a victim. <laughs> you are a victim of the universe, and therefore and there's is, nothing else that you can do that you have to. <laughs> Yeah. When I did the city tour, when I did the tour yes. in Porto, she was talking, at the end of the tour, talking about this, about, you know, there's nothing really yeah. bad in the universe and you don't have to work too hard. Yeah. All these things and like, you know, what yeah. life happens to even, you. And... Even the word exactly. that we have, Saudade, is like this feeling of something that it's not here. So we are always yes. an an anxious or looking for something that we don't have. So, yeah, it's a, a sad way of living. Yeah. And, and, and father. And father is basically <laughs> using that feeling and making it exponentially and feeling as sad as possible, right? That that's so that that's something really Portuguese. And for that is something that personally changed my life, which which was understanding that you have in every second of your life, you always have the ability of trying to do something to help yourself. I mean, if you can't run, you if you, if you can't run, you just walk. If you can't walk, you just crawl. But just keep trying to help yourself in the best way that you can. Sometimes it works better, sometimes it's worse. It's not so good, but I think that, that having this, uh, trying to overcome this victim mentality is really, really important. And you are one of the biggest examples of that. And you were talking about port, the vertical, the, 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 the vertical preparation course. So I, 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 it was really a pleasure for me to, to have met you there. And, um, and, and I have to see that that I have to say that I've said this before that the, it, it, you really have this very positive energy around you, and um, and and I, I think that one of the things is that you can clearly see that your main goal is that people around you feel good, and this is something that that really really stroke me. So, how was your time in Porto, and when, when's the next time that we're going to do it? I'm really looking uh, forward I'm to thinking that. already maybe we were talking you know, May next year or something like that because I get messages all the time saying Jazz I want to learn about to prep but I want to learn it only from you I'm like no you don't want to learn from me you learn from Andre so let me take you let me be no, the facilitator let me take you let me take you to, to, to Porto uh, and like you know it was such a great time and I think that the need for it was there yeah. and the timing was there after COVID yeah. We, yeah. we want those. It's like a retreat, right? It was such a nice retreat. We had, we had uh, such a great time. Was it, yeah. Which which limoncello was it? Which was it? The sangria. Uh, we, we, we yeah. We, we this is the place where I usually go out to to have dinner and to party. It's, it's called Chico Fish, which we have dinner, which we we ate on the day before, and we had also the limoncello sangria. It was a limoncello sangria, right? Yes, exactly. Out of that's the classic. And then your dad's that's restaurant and everything. It was amazing. Yes. And then what you told me at the restaurant, I've been, you, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but on two or three episodes already, I've echoed this once again. I'm, I've, I've quoted you every time. I, I, I said that, you know, Andre was sat next to me and he said something so beautiful, so cliche in a way, but we need to hear it, right? It's that yeah. life is, is not about the, the destination. Life is not even about the journey. You said this. Yes. Life yes. is about the company. And I, honestly, yes. I was like, yeah, I need to yes. hear that. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful reminder. Life is about the company.
Yeah, but but that that was something that even personally for me, because it, I, it really only struck me over the last I would say the last one or two years, and it, it was we, we do this um, we do this course me and Manuela, and it's a mix of the the, the mindful and the emotional part with my practical and very um, very practical tips on management and stuff like that. And we were talking, and I was talking in one of the one of the class. I was talking. Well, this is not about uh, the destination; it's about the journey. So yes, so I, I think these are very three important steps in life. So first of all, you want to have the goal. You want to prove that you are better than someone else. So then you have to say, well, this is not about the goal because when you reach the goal, you realize that you're not happy. So you have to enjoy the moment. So then it's about destination. But I also think that it comes a point in your life. It's not even about the goal or, or it's also about the goal. It's also about the destination. But the company, people that are next to you or the people that you actually can influence, that's actually what makes everything special because um, because. Otherwise, it's just, okay, yes, I have a goal. Yes, I have fun during the goal. But That is a basic human need, isn't it? It's a tribal thing, right? The, the goals yeah. and the journey, they're, they're not tribal. It's the yeah. people. It's the company. That is the tribal yeah. nature, isn't it? Yeah. And it was so good. It was such a wonderful time to have, to have you there. Um, and I really hope that we, we can do this next time. Next 100%. Year. I'm thinking already May next year or something. I'm getting messages all the time saying, when's it going to happen? I'm looking at my diary like, oh, not this year. But but next year for sure, it'll be great to take a, a group to Porto again. What a beautiful place. And I told you already, yeah. like, you know, April was a tiny bit on the sunny <laughs> side. So, so maybe May, a little bit warmer. The beach was beautiful. I had uh, Francesinia. It was Francesinia, right? I had for the Francesinia, first time. Francesinia, of course. Uh, we, we have um, Pastel Donato now on a monthly <laughs> basis. My son loves it. So, so many things I learned about uh, Portuguese culture. It was absolutely amazing. That is so cool. That is so cool. Uh, Jez, I want to ask you, um, because I started listening, I still didn't reach the end, uh, one of your late, latest episodes on the podcast about parenthood and dentistry, where you had uh, <clears throat> Dr. Hardeep Kaur uh, as, your, as your guest. And you guys talked about unique challenges uh, that dentists face as, as, as parents. You are, you are a father. Also, uh, I would like to, to hear your... Uh, your opinion on uh, because for dentists, I think uh, finding balance uh, uh, between the professional and 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 personal life it's 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 a big it's a big thing and 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 some colleagues really struggle uh, with that. So I would like to to hear how you how you do it because you have this uh, professional, very busy professional life with all these sides of, of it. You're not just a, a, a clinic a, a dentist working in chair. You have all these other things uh, going on, but you are also a father, a husband. You have a, a personal life. You were just telling us that you were having a very busy uh, uh, summer, family-wise and wedding-wise. How, how do you do it? Do, any secrets uh, to, to have that balance? <laughs> I think I can share a few things. I mean, firstly, um, when I was in final year of den den dentistry at Dent School in Sheffield, uh, I opened up the magazine and it was all these uh, people in the year above who had just qualified and there was like, interviews with them. And one of the images was of a, of a, of a lady dentist who just qualified and, and there was a speech mm -hmm. bubble next to her. It says, I like that I'm going into a profession that um, I can work nine to five and I don't have to take my work home with me. And that was me in final year dentistry, that brainwash was, oh, that's interesting. Okay, cool. So I go home, I treat my patients, I come home and I don't have to think about teeth. That's pretty cool. I, I, I thought at the time, <laughs> the biggest lie ever. Right? Yes, the biggest true, lie true. ever. Huge true. lie. Okay. And so you that's, realize that that's afterwards, very that important a huge because lie. some, some and dentists so of, yeah. have struggled with this because they try to live that. And that's impossible. That does not exist. That's a very important thing to be said. That's a, that's a lie. Yeah. Wow. I, mm -hmm. I, lo I love that you said that, yeah. Manuela, because you're right. It, it, it may be, maybe I thought that maybe because the, the world I'm in, that maybe, uh, maybe. I, I fell into this or I, I, I forced this upon me. But I, I, do, I do believe that dentistry as a nine to five job, it doesn't exist mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. That's very interesting. I, I, we usually talk a lot about this in, in the podcast. And, and I think that dentistry has changed so much. I think that in the last maybe 20 years ago, you would tooth, you would, you would do like single tooth dentistry. So you come, you treat the tooth, or you come, you come three times to treat, to treat this tooth, or you come four times to treat four teeth. But now everything has changed. There is no more unidisciplinary dentistry. Everything is multidisciplinary. So, and the, the, the consequence of that is that 
you have homework. Mm-hmm. You have so homework. <laughs> Lab communication, uh, colleagues' communication, treatment planning, treatment plan presentation. You have so mm-hmm. much homework. So, so it, and I think this is really important. There's the job from nine to five doesn't exist and, anymore. And yeah. also, yeah. And, and so, that, and, and so yes, yes, no, Manuela. Continue, continue, continue. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so that made me think that oh, it's a nine to five job, which, like we said, it, it's a, it's a lie. So, how do we do it? You know, we come home, we have our clin checks, we have our treatment plans, and of course, in the first five years, I was course after course after course after. I was a course junkie, mm-hmm. and I needed that. I needed because den school didn't prepare me. It prepares no one, right? It's a bit like driving. Yeah. You yeah. only learn how to drive yeah. after you pass the damn test, not before. So you need to get those yeah. hours behind the wheel and the hours behind the chair. And then with dentistry, you get less. The, the dental education, dental school, is getting diluted and diluted and diluted, and it's really unfair because. The, the postgraduate education world is having to pick up the slack and it's costing us money, it's costing us time, it's costing a best part of our childhood. We, we, you know, we sacrifice our 20s for the dentist who really wants to, to do to good and get into the right practice yeah. environment and, and try and do the kind of cases that they want to do. It robs us of our 20s almost because it's just gone courses, 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 courses uh, and you're away and you're trying to balance everything. So it's a real struggle. So I think to, to answer the question, I, I came to a point where I said, what do I want for my life and how do I do life design? So at least you got a paper and yeah. I decided that I don't want to commute anymore. I don't want to commute. I just want to reduce my commute. Okay. Uh, I decided that if there is out there a shift pattern system, so I can work early in the morning or late in the evening, I would like to have half a day to do all these other things. Otherwise I can't do all these other things. So now I work eight till two or I work two till eight in a practice that's been doing this system for the last 40 years. So most practices doing this, it was uh, inflicted by COVID. In, or at least in the UK. I know you guys uh, have a, a different hours uh, in, in, in Portugal, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but in, in, the, in the UK, this practice has been doing it for 30 years. Uh, and, I, and I chose to find a property 15 minutes away walk to this practice. That's how I can now fulfill my duties uh, as a father and not having mm-hmm. feel guilty that, oh, I'm not doing my work because I come, cut out the commute time. Uh, I'm nearby to work. Uh, I, I sort of picked and choose, uh, chose these aspects of my life to make it. And now I, I, I don't edit the podcast episodes because like, oh, I'm stealing five hours yeah. now. Yeah. Can I find a team? So I, I, I found freelancers and now we've got a team mm-hmm. uh, who've now just worked for Protrusive so that we can work together because they are better at editing, quicker at editing. They enjoy it more than I do. So it's about realizing whether you own a practice, whether you are an associate, whatever you are, if there's any aspect of your work that you can give to someone else. And I guess, I don't know if this is the right place to say it here, but even things like gardening, right? I, I don't do gardening. I don't know how to garden, right? Uh, and my wife's like, oh, the gardening bill was so much, so, so much this month. And I was like, listen, Sim, it will take me hours to learn how to do it, to do it, okay? It's better we just pay the gardener and I can work on, on the business so I can have time with the shan. You know, so anything that you feel as though you can delegate someone mm-hmm. else and you earn more, uh, doing work than you can do in terms of doing that task, then I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of, of delegation. Yes, I agree. You, you were talking about Shan. Is, is it the name of your kid? Ishan. Ishan is my son, yes. Ishan. Yes. Yeah, even your face, it, it completely changed when you talked about him. You, you, even your expressions. <laughs> so he's going to have a life completely different than yours, isn't it? The, the, the bring up. And, and one of the things that I know that worries you, and, 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 and I've heard this, uh, this subject mentioned many times, I, I think there's this, this, this thing that says that uh, good times create weak people, uh, weak people create something like that, which basically is that the grit and the effort and the, and the adversity that you went through, it's almost impossible that you try to implement that in the life of someone that you love so much. Isn't it? So if, if, you, if you love him so much, how will you be able to make him go through things that you know that he needs to be able to be, I won't say even successful. I, wouldn't, I, I would go even further. You, need to, you know that he needs to go through some things for him to be happy. Mm-hmm. and confidence so so happiness and headstrong headstrong and happy uh, and have the grit and the determination and so, all these beautiful characteristics that that we all like so what's your what's your doubts and what's your plan for that i mean if you do have a plan for that i don't have a plan yet but it's something i, I told you in the email like this keeps me up at night this this is the real big level big philosophical question that i ask myself that 
how will I do it? In the book Outliers, it talks about um, yeah. uh, income and uh, how much income you need to be happy, right? And after like $70,000, any further income does not influence happiness at all, not in the slightest. And this is evidence-based. In fact, it might have the opposite effect. Yeah. So, um, and, and then what they talk about is, okay, your children being spoiled uh, and whatnot. And, and, and how do you actually raise them up the right way? So, you know, when I look back at my childhood, I didn't have my own room. I was sleeping on the floor in the living room for 17 years of my life. The first time I had my own bedroom was I went to uni. I didn't want to go back home. I had my own room at uni. This was a huge thing for me, right? So me and my sister shared a room for many years and then she had the room and I was sleeping in the living room on the, on the floor and stuff. So I was like, okay, well, do, is it ethical for me to make Ishan sleep on the floor so he can learn to be adaptive and, and not be so comfortable? How do I do it? I don't know, but I, something that I'm going to be working consciously very hard on is that how can I instill the values in him that make him uh, not too comfortable so that he, he appreciates that everything has been given to him, but I've had to work hard for it. My parents had to work hard for it and, and, and not to lose uh, sight and touch of that. How can I give him, make him humble? How can I instill humility? How can I make sure that ego doesn't come up? How can I make sure that uh, he has all those attributes that we talked about but nowadays where everything is handed to him and I look at him and you know, my wife buys him these branded shoes. I'm like, why does a freaking three-year-old need branded shoes, right? But my wife has those values in her. I'm like, okay, fine. But I think, how are we going to instill these important values in this young person? Uh, and that, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. If you guys have any ideas, I'd love to hear them. I, I, I have no idea. I have, I no, have idea. no idea, but I think that I really, and, and, the, and, and, the example is very important and you are giving it. So I think they, uh, they learned with, with, with examples, huh? but but that's all I got. <laughs> Nothing yeah, but, else. But I, I, if 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 I think about it, like for thirty seconds, and I have to, I can talk about my own experience. I live I live in the in the room with my parents up until I was four, right? And then my father opened his restaurant, and my life started to be more comfortable comfortable around ten, fifteen. 10, 14. So I think that I, that I do have memories when I slept in, in the room with my parents. And I, and I completely agree with Manuel is that, is that uh, example is very important and you have to always keep reminding them where you came from and your story. Because I think that one of the things that influenced me the most was actually being aware on, on, on a very frequent basis of what my parents went through. And I, and, and I think that I, I don't think that should be done in a, in a dramatic way, but just look, this is, there's a huge amount of luck everywhere. I mean, if you were born in Ethiopia, uh, your life ch chances will be really, really low. So th there's really something that you have to celebrate by the fact that you live, that, that you were able to, to travel to a developed country and, and, and have, have all those opportunities. So I think, yes. So I think having that example and having a, a healthy reminder of, of, of of the things that that um, that that you had to go through and 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 re really working as as an example because even though you are successful, I think that the, the core values they need they need to be present just to treat people well, just to help others as much as possible, and um, mm -hmm. and yes, that would be my fifty cents on that. <laughs> I like that and just give me an idea to, to do charitable projects and go yes. to these countries. And, and maybe yes. I can't subject him to all those yeah. things that I went through, but to observe and see, look, how can we help these individuals? But, you know, if it was for a different circumstance, you might have been this individual. You were born into a, a family that could look after you in the way that they do. But that yeah. is by pure one in a million chance. We need to really appreciate that. And I think we, we all need to uh, adopt yeah. that. And, and, and the thing that... Um, I, I'm a very evidence-based guy and stuff like that. So if you really look at, at psychology, there is no happiness without struggle, isn't it? Well, I, I won't, I won't mm. say dramatic mm. struggle, but I mean, if you have to have a good body, you have to work out. If you want to have, uh, um, if you want to have more stable emotions, you have to meditate. So there's something. There's always something that you need to intentionally do. It's it's not something that is born with you or just drops out of heaven. It's you really have to be intentional mm -hmm. about that. I would, yeah. I would just change. Mm -hmm. So, Sorry. so the, the, um, I would, we, we, we. I was just going to 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 add yeah. a very short yeah. uh, thing to what you said, uh, Andre. I would just change the word struggle with challenge. I think that it has to do with for even the stress. Challenge. Right? So, yeah. for you, there's the good yeah. stress. There's uh, yeah. when okay when it's too much, then and when it's. Yeah. Uh, 
part uh, negative, then you have the, the de-stress, the bad stress, but for you to, to be able to be motivated and everything, stress, a certain amount of stress is good and that's what challenges, uh, the challenge gives you. So that's a very important uh, thing in life. And I think that some, some people, that's why they get stuck in this comfort zone, which is not even comfortable. It's just what they are used to yes. because they fear yes. the challenge. They fear the struggle uh, that you just uh, mm. said also. And they know that they have to make changes. They know that they have to get out of their comfort zone. And that's really scary for, for some people. So if you uh, look at it from a positive uh, side, that's okay, a certain amount of, of uh, challenge is good for you. It's going to make you grow. It's going to make you evolve. That's a, that's a positive thing. Okay, sorry. Continue. <laughs> it's going to make you happier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's going to mm -hmm. make you happier. Make yeah, yeah. So I, I think that we we all, all the topics that we written down we have uh, we have um, covered. We them. have we went through. But I, I would just yeah, I would just like to 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 ask you just for as a final thought from you. So. Manuel has said that I think you are you you have developed the podcast in dentistry. So yes, there's a huge huge responsibility in that as well. So, um, what are your goals for for the? How do you see protrusive? Do you do you eventually see that as a physical space? It's only going to be online. Um, what what are the main the main goals? Because I think that up up until now you have really placed a refreshing and very new and very positive energy in dentistry. So what are, what, what's your goals for, 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 for the podcast and for Pertuzzi? So what's the legacy that you want to leave behind? You have, you have already left. That's a good question. I, I, like that. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, legacy is a great question. I mean, in terms of direction, goal, nothing major, but, you know, most of my listeners are about 70%, you know, maybe 65% UK. Number two is US, Australia. There's still so many dentists who haven't uh, uh, checked out Protrusive. And if I can inject them with some enthusiasm and some clinical tips. So I think it's more about discovery. I think I'd, I'd love for more dentists to, to learn more about Protrusive uh, and learn and share and come on as guests and stuff. So I think there's a lot of growth still to happen. Uh, in terms of legacy, if I, the legacy can be that listening to this podcast made me feel good before I started my day is, is one thing. Uh, and number two, that thing that I struggled with, listening to that podcast, it made it tangible. I could, I finally get exactly why you put the thin cord in first and then the fat cord in second and the role of that. You know, things like that, where maybe those little questions you can't ask at dental school because I, I, you need a bigger picture first. And also, sometimes when you're interviewing someone who's like, you know, 40 years experience and then they can, they're a master of composite resin and they can teach you how to use 16 different layers and stuff. But the dentist just wants to know how many seconds to etch for and, and, and which bond do you use, right? I want to be the guy who just says, guys, etch for 20 seconds. Yes. Uh, you know, I want to get that direct information out there to make people get started in their, in their journeys and, and fulfill their, their clinical uh, desires. Yeah. I, I, I really think that you have been very successful in that because... I think that the online dentistry field has been um, uh, filled with that rock star mentality and the superstars that only superstars can do good dentistry. And I think that you can, you did inject a lot of confidence and, and self-esteem in, 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 in the dentistry that, that um, the average dentist, which is all of us. But at the end of the day, we are all average dentists because 90% of our work is average dentistry, isn't it? And at the end, just, mm -hmm. you're just dealing with, with a person in front of you and you, you and Honestly, I don't know any dentist that does not want to do a good job. So, so, so thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for the inspiration. And I really hope that we can, um, we can have you for, for many years in dentistry. And by the way, do you, do you think you're going to do clinical dentistry for the rest of your life? Or you, do you have some other plans? I, at, at this, I mean, if you asked me uh, five years ago, I'd say, yeah, clinical dentistry until I'm 70. <laughs> uh, I've now changed that to clinical dentistry <laughs> until I'm 55, until I'm 55 maybe. Uh, but yeah, clinical dentistry for sure. I mean, I, I, I love it. And I, 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 you know, I just look at my laptop, same as you, Andre, you open up your Google photos, it's like teeth and gingival margins everywhere on a daily basis. I still like to buy the new gadgets and still like to do all the, the, the things. I think it's backbreaking work and we should look after our health and stuff. So my focus is definitely, yeah. you know, looking after myself a bit more, doing more exercise. I think since I became a father, yes. I, I, yes, I do less, but I realized that. We joined the gym last week, me, my wife, my son. Yes, so that's do some family gym time but i think I, I yeah as, as far as until at least age 55 i i see my future in clinical dentistry and i have so much to learn i think my future is yeah more tmd airway 
but just yes. comprehensive dentistry. But I just love being a general dentist. I just want to put one last thing yes. out there that too many people, they qualify, they think, okay, I need to be a specialist. I need to be a specialist. I want to do endodontics. I want to do perio. There's not enough people who qualify and say, I want to be a generalist. You know? and, I, and I feel as though three years ago when I started this podcast, I started talking about the beauty of being a GDP. And I, I think and that's one more legacy is that I want people, dentists, 93% of us are general dentists. I want them to get validation from what they do. Yes. And remember that being a general dentist is the most difficult role in dentistry there is. And let's not forget that. And, and remember the most beautiful thing also, and the best thing about being a GDP is cherry picking. So when you have that sour cherry, you pass it on. It's okay. Okay. You get to pick the, the best cherries and, and there's True. no shame yeah. in that because we have all the downside. Mm -hmm. Let's have an mm -hmm. upside as well. That's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> So I, I guess that we are not going to steal you more time, but I am 100% sure that we'll have, that that we want to to have you for a second time here in this in in, in soft bite to talk of the same things or some different things. So so it really is a pleasure to have you and to have you with us. And um, thank you, Jez. It was really wonderful. And, and I hope, yeah. Yeah, and, and the I, pleasure is all mine, guys. Honestly, it's, it's been great to, to get to know you both. Uh, Andre, we'll see you again yes. in, in May. Ma, ma, we should do a, a dual thing, you know, Malisha. You should also come uh, to, to so Portugal. Of can, course, you can, yeah, a, a day you of can workshop meet a, with you. Real person, also. We can do that. <laughs> We, we, we can should, do we, that. You know, I think more and more I get demand for courses abroad and retreats and stuff. Yes. And, you know, to, 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 work, to work on the mind. Yeah. With, so, yeah. you know, the brain hands. Yes. We work on uh -huh. the brain and the mind with Manuela and work on the hands with, with Andre. We should totally do that. And we, we, are, we are giving a course in October. We, it's like it's a four-day course that we do in Sagres about mindful dentistry and practical tips on management. Wow. But yes, Amazing. yes, but... Yeah, but we, we, we can mix something about the, the vertical preparation and do like um, a full day of mindfulness and, 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 some, and some tips on career orientation and management of teams. And I think I would yes, love that. I'd I think we that. have some positive I think that would go down discuss. really well. Mixing the clinical, non-clinical and then abroad. Uh, I know there's a huge demand in the UK to, to go to, to, to see you and Andre. So, uh, so to, if you marry that up with and it's, something non-clinical as well, I think it will add more value. Absolutely. And it's always an excuse for you to stay longer and to party longer and to go to yeah. more restaurants and stuff like that, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> more, more sangria, because, more Francesinha, yeah. more pasta. Because in Portugal we have this, uh, okay, fado and saudade, but then we are very good at partying also. <laughs> we have both. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is very true. We, we, we want to forget our sadness by drinking and, 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 and having fun. That was very evident. That was very clear. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad this has been the birth yeah. of, of something very exciting in the future. So thank guys, you. Thank, thank you so much, you so for, much for having for, me on. It's, it's been a great time. Thank you, you guys are doing amazing things with Soft Bites, uh, and, and I can't wait to share this with my community as well, so they can check out all the good things that thank you guys you are doing. Thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you for everyone that is okay. listening to us. Thank you, Jazz. Thank you.